You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Monday, obviously, we got football to talk about today. Two practices over the weekend. Browns will on the pads today. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. So, of course, at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Joining here today from uh, SI.com, Browns Digest, Mr. Pete Smith, at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, I guess the biggest news from the first couple of days, Pete, is J.C. Treader and obviously the knee injury. J.C.'s, you know, had his injury history in the past. He's been an Iron Man in his time here with the Cleveland Browns. Um, it's kind of, I guess, being vague, and I'm sure that's the point of it. They don't, you know, obviously want to tip their hand one way or the other. They're shooting for week one. Um, in some respects, it sounds like it could be, you know, week three, maybe October. Um, but, you know, obviously you have Nick Harris here, was drafted for a reason to have a backup center on the roster. But probably this is the most, I would say, concerning thing we've taken away from the couple of days of training camp thus far. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, for the, uh, you know, all the talk about, well, we're, we're worried about the depth of guard. Um you know, when you when you draft a fifth round rookie and that's your, you know, you're hoping is your primary backup uh, and then is immediately sort of forced into potentially being that guy, you know, highlights how difficult it really is to have, you know, great offensive line depth throughout your team. And, and Nick Harris, you know, looks good in terms of understanding his assignments and he looks like he's picked up everything. Uh, the pads will tell the story on that. But, you know, Treader is... He's a really, really good player. He's, uh, I would still argue, the most underrated player on this team. Um, I, I think he has played to a level that has warranted uh, some postseason accolades he's never received. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I think part of this is you, you have seen Treader play through so much pain that you, you start assuming that, well, of course, he'll be there for week one. It's just what he is. And maybe that's the case. but. Uh, you, at least I, I was, I'm, I'm slightly worried that they're, they're factoring that into the timeline, uh, that, you know, that they're hoping he's going to play for week one when maybe like a traditional, uh, in, you know, recovery from, from his scope would, would put him to week three. So I, I, I don't really know what to make of this. Um, uh, you know, I think. When when we get closer to the the season, it, it'll probably make more sense. But it's not like, you know, we we nobody's really given a, a a true timeline on this, and I don't know if they have one or if they want to be honest to one. So right now, it's it's all about getting Nick Harris reps. Uh, Evan Brown was the the backup to the backup in this case. He was working with the twos, so hopefully. They, uh, they they find somebody they're comfortable with. And they brought in a, another center uh, yesterday to, you know, continue to look for that option. But that's, you know, that's how difficult it is to have a truly resilient offensive line where that covers all, all the injuries. Uh, yeah. Now, Pete had mentioned uh, Casey Dunn brought in Javon Fair, the local kid. Obviously, you know, it was you know less than a week in his time with the Browns. Uh, Dunn has a relationship, working relationship in the past with offensive line coach Bill Callahan. So, yet, I mean, this is probably going to be a revolving door. I'm assuming we're going to see, you know, a reserve offensive lineman maybe you brought in every two or three days. It's just going to depend. I mean, because when you're banking on some of these long shots, 
Um, you know, if you think there's somebody better on the market and it happens quickly, you know, there could be a lot of shifting uh, within you know, the reserve unit of that offensive line. Of what we've seen so far, Pete, of the offense, um, you know, first things that things that stand out, at least, you know, catch my eye right off the bat. Odell, you know, whatever the injury is and you hear groin, you hear hernia, whatever that appears to be now fixed. The explosion is there. The offense and this is what you could not do last year with the way Chris Hubbard was playing and why you brought in a player of Jack you know, Conklin's ilk is getting Baker back on the move. Um, it, it was something he's done his entire career. It worked out well as his rookie year. In, stretch, in glimpses, you were able to do it in 2019, but he kind of just had to evade it altogether just due to the fact that Chris Hubbard wasn't able you know, to make it work. But you've got Baker back on the move. Um, and the other thing I'm, I'm noticing is, is just how everybody is mixing and matching. Um, you know, normally you get reps really early in camp because you have 14 practices before you play the preseason game. Um, so this year is difficult, but you know, everybody seems to be in the huddle and getting an opportunity with Baker Mayfield. This is the point. These are just some of the things that are standing out to me at this point. So when it comes to Beckham, I, I don't look at his speed necessarily. I look at his ability to contort his body and cut. Because regardless of whether it was a sports hernia, I think it was a sports hernia. I'm going with it with the fact it was a sports hernia or whatever mysterious groin injury he had. It's that that jerking motion, that planting and, and cutting or trying to contort your body and land that I think would, would cause the most stress and pain last year. So when I'm watching him make moves on guys, you know, or or. You know, the one rep where he – the one rep that stands out to me the most is where he goes up over the middle, contorts his body, manages to uh, to catch the ball at high point, turn his body to land, and then just for – you know, basically for funsies, uh, starts <laughs> trying to do Carl Joseph. Like that type of stuff to me is indicative of a guy who feels good and is like enjoying feeling good. And, and, and he may not be, you know, 100% over it, but that type of stuff suggests that you know, it, it, it's it, he's in a good place because, you know, maybe he goes up and makes that catch. Maybe he makes a move, but I don't think he's doing all the extra stuff just to, you know, just to do it. Um, you know, when it comes to practice and we don't have pads on, it's tough to sort of really judge too much when it comes to the line stuff. Uh, certainly Jack Conklin, there's a lot of expectations with him. Uh, you know, he, he needs to be great. And uh, that that's, that's a big deal. Um, I, you know, I mentioned that, that they're practicing faster than, than past groups. And I, and I got a bunch of people saying, well, you know, that's what they say every year. I definitely don't say that every year because I, having watched practices, it drives me nuts how slow they are because they're slower than what ours are. Uh, but, the, you know, and, and there are ways that maybe I would do it differently than they would. And it comes down to philosophical choices. But uh, I agree with what you were talking about, which is, you know, they aren't messing around. They, they, they get guys in the huddle. So when they're in a team period uh, or seven on seven or whatever, they're getting guys out there quickly. And, you know, it may be like three reps of Baker with ones, you know, before Case Keenum's in there for a couple reps and then Garrett Gilbert's in for a couple reps. But you're also seeing a lot of interesting people in interesting places. And, and they're trying, you know, they're basically saying, look, we have done all this virtual classroom stuff in the offseason. You should know this, and we're putting you in a position to sort of really showcase yourself. You're not you're, – you're a rookie like uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones or you're a guy like Taewon Taylor. 
you're not just going in there with Garrett Gilbert. You are in there with Baker Mayfield. Like you have to show us, you know what you're doing and, and take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, you know, Stephen Carlson, which is a guy I think the Browns like, have liked regardless of the administration he's been in, uh, was in there with, with Mayfield a couple of times. So you're seeing uh, different combinations of players and, and the same goes for defense. You're seeing starters go against starters. You're seeing you know, some, of the, some of the starters go against some depth guys. They want to get uh, as many reps to evaluate as they can because it's a truncated time schedule to do that. And, and if you saw building with Browns, even mentioned this, it's a truncated evaluations uh, schedule. I would hope that this is just their standard operating, uh, you know, this is how they go. Uh, but certainly I think the, the way the, the schedule is set up um, forcing them to, to go faster helps, but I, you know, this is, I, I hope this is just how they practice. And Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, talked about how he's going to be eased into practice. He doesn't know what that means because he just goes, he goes hard and he, he just plays. The Browns may ultimately decide that like a day like today or maybe uh, a, a day like tomorrow or probably Wednesday uh, that, uh, you know, that they're going to take him out for a practice and that's how they're going to ease him in. But uh, when he was, he was in both practices, he, he, uh, he looked good. He looked himself, uh, you know, he had a, a great season last year and it hurt like hell the entire year. He wasn't able to practice. So, you know, if, if he's able to simply maintain that level and it doesn't hurt like hell, that would be a great situation for him. But he's probably also thinking, you know, I can do better or whatever. But with when it comes to guys like the uh, like Beckham, like Landry, like Hunt, uh, and some of these other guys feeling good you know, as opposed to playing through pain is all the reason in the world to want to freaking be out there and, and go hard and go fast because you enjoy feeling good and being able to sort of be yourself as a football player. And also part of it, though, I mean, these guys are so far removed from actually doing any football activities and they're, you know, we've seen guys flame out for not loving it. Look, the, the money is fantastic and these guys do it, but these guys absolutely love to compete and love what they do. So for to be off a field for this long and now to get back on there and just thinking about you know the possibility of Beckham and Landry, you know, much closer to 100% than they were last season uh, and what they can do and you know with the recipe to for success on this offense. You love it. The Baker thing, look, we've talked about the pace that this offense should be played for Baker Mayfield since his rookie year. It's weird because it got even slower last year with Freddie Kitchens because half the time he was arguing with officials uh, demanding for a review when it wasn't even called for. Baker Mayfield is just that guy. He, you know, boom, play is over or even his role is over. He's looking at the sidelines. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Playing at a faster pace certainly would benefit Baker Mayfield and probably this offense. We got to get, we're going to get uh, some more here. We're going to switch the other side of the ball here. We uh, have a new ad sponsor coming in here today as well. We also have, you know, some listener questions all rolling through on your Monday lockdown Browns. If you are not subscribed on iTunes or Spotify, now is the time smash the subscribe button, leave those five-star reviews, drop a written review, please. And thank you again, uh, Spotify, iTunes, make sure you subscribe. With the Conklin signing, Pete, the Hooper signing, even the Andrew Billing signing, you know, a lot of talk was done about the free agent signings. One that still seems like it goes under the wire, 
And he was actually in the building in the 2019 offseason, ended up eventually signing with the Buffalo Bills. A player we both liked out of Wake Forest, Kevin Johnson. Uh, and first things first, first camp fight, Kevin Johnson, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I would have lost my bet. Certainly would have been on Sione Takitaki. But Kevin Johnson, and everybody just keeps throwing out slot. And he's never really played the slot. I still believe they don't exactly know who is going to play the slot for them. Um, but Kevin Johnson, look, the talent is there. There was, you know, some lapses of play in Houston. Obviously, injuries did him no favor in his time in Houston. But make no mistake, this this guy was a player. And for right now, you know, showing his health um, and now a lot more comfortable and confident after playing a full season with the Buffalo Bills last year, there's it, this just lengthens what could be a good cornerback room. And having Kevin Johnson step up early and, you know, show that he could be yet another cover guy where he's got to have Joe Woods just salivating. Well, so with Kevin Johnson, uh, I think he is going to be the slot. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing I kept uh, hitting on b- before, you know, camp started, that's why, you know, when I when I broke down the, the, the five biggest position battles for this team, the corner was number one uh, because – well, I think it's going to be Denzel Ward, Kevin Johnson, Greedy Williams on three corners uh, sets. What happens when it's two? I don't think it's just going to be automatically assume it's Greedy Williams. Uh, Greedy Williams is a better run defender, but to this you know to this point in their careers, Kevin Johnson is a dramatically better cover guy, and he's not built like a traditional slot because he's taller. He's six foot, uh, you know, about 180 pounds. But he's he's shown he can do it, which makes him more valuable. But the thing is, like, if they believe Kevin Johnson's just better than than Greedy Williams, that opens a couple a, a couple doors. First, um, he can play the boundary. He's done it most of his career. Um, and, and if he's just better, they may just put him out there uh, when it's him and just Ward. Especially if they, you know, if 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 we talk about going to three safeties. You know, some of those situations may not have three corners. So if, if you're in a situation where you only have two, he may well be the second if he keeps playing well. Now, the pads may uh, change that scenario given the fact that, uh, that uh, you know, he, he hasn't been a, a great run defender, but he's a sticky cover guy. He can mirror routes really, really well. Um, and, and we'll see what Greedy Williams does. I mean, it, just because he hasn't really been mentioned doesn't mean he's playing poorly. It's just – Hasn't been mentioned, so hopefully he's going to step up and play well. But that's sort of the deal: is 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 Kevin Johnson is not fighting for a slot corner job. He's fighting for a contract. He wants to be able to stay healthy, which is obviously a big, big part of his you know his his contract with the Browns. It's a it, it's it's a big deal for him in his just you know his career that has hurt him. He's been. He's missed a ton of games, unfortunately. But when he's been on the field, last year he made all, played all 16 with Buffalo. He was good, a really good cover guy. And if he's good, and, and Gre- let's say Greedy Williams doesn't grow as anticipated, the Browns may have to look at a scenario where they extend Kevin Johnson for, for the long term and say he's going to be that second corner. The greedy, it doesn't mean they're giving up on Greedy Williams. It just means he's another guy. But they, they would at that point start having to keep shopping for corners and potentially they'd like to. Meanwhile, if Greedy steps up and plays really well, maybe they let Kevin Johnson go after one year uh, because he's, you know, know, if he plays great, 
he's going to warrant a contract, uh, whether it's here or elsewhere. And then the Browns sort of have to keep trying to fill in uh, the the lower spots on the depth chart and find that true slot, whatever. But, you know, a lot of this comes down to direction of the team and where money ultimately goes. But that's why I, I thought this was the biggest uh, battle of, of training camp because it's going to tell you a lot about where the Browns go uh, for the future in addition to what it mat- means now. But when you're one of the teams that is talking openly about you know, three safeties, and maybe they ultimately just mean on dime. But I think there are going to be situations where they just want to be able to match up a little bit bigger uh, against teams like the Ravens and potentially like the Steelers in certain situations where they have a bunch of tight ends. I don't think they want to put Kevin Johnson out there in the slot in those situations. I think they want to go with somebody like a hopefully a Grant Delpit or or a Sheldrick Redwine that has a little more size that can run. Uh, that is where that that matchup becomes way more important and and that that is a real battle and obviously look everybody for the first two days look um this is where the rubber meets the road today once the pads get on obviously you know it it, it changes things a lot and look and you know as pete said with jarvis landry maybe this is when you throttle them down a little bit because maybe you know just not ready there yet i mean maybe they're ready to do everything ready to take contact that could be a different story but you know this is certainly the story is going to start to tell more starting today in the next couple of days when pads actually go on here the way we're getting the you know, the footage and they did a much better job with the second day of practices than the first day look you know nathan and jo- josh Gribbs doing a fantastic job um we'd rather see the plays and hear their voices uh, we don't necessarily need to hear see these guys physically talk but they did a much better job with the day two coverage it is a little difficult just the way the footage is coming in it's re- you know obviously it, it seems like it's shot offense heavy and it's almost shot like it's shot over, you know, we're getting the shot over the linebacker's head. You know, we'd all appreciate it maybe more if it was over the safety's head. So you kind of got a look of maybe all 22 to it. But again, maybe you're trying not to give away everything because obviously anybody can tune in and see it. Um, my guy Porter Gustin with a couple plays yesterday at the expense of Chris Hubbard. Um, you're starting to just, you know, you see the rookies out there. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, getting the feel of it and the rhythm of it, um, you know, especially with a guy like Grant Delpit. And, you know, they have said, and Grant Delpit has said, he doesn't know exactly what his role is going to be yet. But with these younger guys in the abbreviated and truncated, as you said, it's going to be a question of how much you can take on, how quickly. So, you know, for these younger guys, maybe at a a, a, diff, a more difficult spot on the defensive side of the ball, but it's just going to be a patience thing. And, you know, again, you know, if you're going to make a mistake, and this goes down to any level of football your entire life, you know, at least be aggressive with the mistake you make. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, this is this is something I tell my 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 players. You're, you're never going to be right going fifty percent, but you at least have a chance to be right if you go hundred percent. So whatever you're doing, you got to go full full bore. Uh, at least you'll make you maybe you make a mess, but you, you again, this comes down to the the virtual offseason. And, and you know, one of the things that hasn't been asked to players that I'd be sort of curious to know is how they learn, like. You know, it, it certainly some of these guys are, are going to be able to look at a playbook and be like, yeah, I got it. Uh, you know, this is fine. You know, other guys may, you know, need to be on the field and sort of feel it out. You know, that tactile type learner uh, and, 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 you know, how that plays out could determine how quickly some of these guys get it. Um, you know, 
So as we get this, you know, the, not having, you know, 21 other guys on the field or even even 10 other guys, that changes sort of the dynamic for some of these. And maybe there's a couple guys that, that have to sort of see it and feel it and, 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 you know, have it play out to sort of understand it. But for the guys who are sort of able to, you know, process it just by listening to it or seeing it written down or whatever, they've had, you know, months to sort of do this. And the benefit has been that, like, you, you, you with what we're seeing from Nicaris, it at least seems like it, it's working, like that it, it, it has been successful. Whether or not he can physically do it remains to be seen. But the fact that he seems to understand everything, and maybe he's a unique case, but it at least suggests that the virtual offseason was effective in sort of getting these guys to understand. And, you know, without being able to sort of being in the coaching room or having the, you know, the all 22, which they're not anything out uh that the you know what how well are they executing assignments are, are are we seeing sort of you know are we seeing a ton of mental mistakes or are we just seeing sort of physical mistakes and timing and those type of things because if we're seeing a bunch of just mental mistakes it, it raises questions about you know how guys learn and, and how effective you know various positions were at teaching and, and some of that just may be really really challenging on the other hand, if it's a really crisp practice in terms of assignments, like where you're able to put Donovan Peoples-Jones, a six-round rookie, or Taewon Taylor out there with Baker Mayfield, and they're executing their assignments well, then that would suggest that, like, this was really successful. And the question I, I, I've been waiting to be asked for basically the last couple months is whether it's Stefanski or individual position coaches or coordinators is basically like, what have you, you know, you know necessity uh being the mother of invention like how much of the stuff do you, are, have you had to do that you're sort of like why weren't we doing this before and we're going to keep doing this because it was really effective and we thought you know we're finding this really really good for us like and if that's the case that's awesome because that makes them more likely to be prepared it becomes more about almost entirely about physical preparation being acclimated and being able to be ready for the the rigors of a football season as opposed to having to learn stuff it's, you know, and, uh, you know, again, in this gets back to obviously the pads going on as far as Nick Harris, but, you know, it was, it was everybody, it was going to be different and how they handled it, you know, for veterans, maybe, you know, not wanting, you know, great yet another new system and having to do it this way. But look, I mean, it was a, it's a change in how the procedure was done and, you know, with the way, <laughs> you know, these conference calls and things go on and they exist almost in every aspect of any type of workforce there is now. Uh, it, it's not too shocking, you know, that it's, you know, parlayed its way over here in a football. And sometimes maybe it's just a little bit smoother and guys can take their notes. And then with a five minute phone call, say, Hey, when you were explaining this, I wasn't surely totally sure what you meant. Bing, bang, bomb. We've got a um, new sponsor here, guys. Um, hey guys, I want to tell you about a new website that just launched August 1st called Ohio versus everyone.com. The site covers all Ohio sports and pop culture. They have in-depth, interesting articles about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Browns, the Indians, obviously the Cincinnati Reds and the Bengals, and of course, your Ohio State Buckeyes and more. So uh, one of the most recent articles I read, Ronald Leary, obviously been a popular name as far as, you know, in, with the Browns and their interest written by Thomas Valentine. So go ahead and check that out on OhioVersusEveryone.com. It's all your favorite teams all in one site. And because they cover all the teams, 
They only bring you the best and the most interesting topics. Check them out. Again, ohioversuseveryone.com. That's Ohio vs. Everyone.com. We got some listener questions here that we're going to sneak in a couple of them. Um, first things first, though, um, we'll go to Tones the Dude with his question. And we have um, Baker's footwork. Um, has it been different like they wanted? And Kareem Hunt seems to have an extra burst, or is it just because of no pads? Thanks, as always. I think everybody's got a little bit of an extra burst. Um, a lot of time waiting, Pete and Jones, and to get essentially back on the field. Well, with Kareem Hunt, look, I mean, he was suspended the first half of the season, but he had a, a he had a sports hernia and the surgery and everything to recover from that. Um, was he 100%? I doubt it. I mean, that I think it gets lost in how sort of impactful those types of uh, injuries and operations can be that you don't necessarily get to be 100% um, doing that. So if hopefully there is an extra burst because there better be. It's the only way he's going to have any chance to give the Browns a reason to take Nick Chubb off the field because uh, that's just how good Nick Chubb is. But, yeah, you know, it just makes them better. As far as the footwork, I, you know, I haven't seen enough to be able to go, well, this is different and this is different. All I can tell you is he, he looks quick. He looks light on his feet, and you know that that stuff looks good. He looks more mobile in the pocket. The only thing I would push back on is like the idea that like you know that Baker Mayfield was necessary. Look, I, there's no question that Baker Mayfield didn't do enough to prepare himself for last year uh, with everything that was going on in the off season. Uh, but there are guys who deliberately try to put on like a little extra padding to sort of absorb hits that clearly didn't work for Mayfield, but the, he's definitely not the first quarterback that does has done that. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you know, would just put on a bunch of extra weight to just sort of cushion hits. Uh, he, he's going more, more, uh, his felter look this year, but there are definitely quarterbacks who sort of try to put on a little extra armor. Um, you know, that, that didn't work for Mayfield. He's going with a different approach, which is, you know, good. I, I just don't necessarily attribute that to being lazy as much as it's, you know, just a different way of doing things. I, I think he's better, lighter, and able to move more. I think he's he's obviously this offense is going to ask him to do more in terms of moving than last year's did. Um, you know, with with like those stretch play actions and some of the things that they want to do, they're going to have him move around and sprint out and some of those things. So. It's, it's certainly more conducive for him to be slimmer and as light on his feet as possible. But if you, I, I don't have enough information based on what I've seen to this point to go like, well, this is, this is different. I mean, there are things that I, I, obviously they've talked about it in press conferences. They want you know, the other foot back in shotgun and stuff. But, you know, it, it, there's only so much you can do to quarterback footwork. Like at the end of the day, you're still – throwing you know you, you still want to press off the back foot you know uh still want to transition your body weight and your throws and stuff like that and it comes down to arm angles and all those things but uh, you know it's not like I, you, you're going to see some revelation in footwork it's all small details that should help him get the ball out quicker uh which is so far what seems to be happening which is good um it's more of that west coast uh philosophy uh you know that's that's 
still there, but sort of dying out in terms of how we use the term. But yeah, I mean, those are helpful. They want to get the ball out of his hands. They want, they have, look, you've got a ton of playmakers. You don't want it sitting in the quarterback's hands. You want to get it out to them. So those things seem to be as planned to this point. Again, we'll see what happens with pads. We'll see what happens when, I wouldn't say the quarterback is live. They're not going to deck him, but what happens when it's a little more real? Uh, and then obviously when it is real, uh, week one against the Baltimore Ravens, how's that going to look? And and it's difficult to say this is how it's going to be uh, based on a couple practices without pads. Um, again, the translation from practice field to game situation is the key. Obviously, you know, the onus is put on, you know, trying to improve the footwork here, obviously his body and being in better shape, Mexican food, whatever it might've been, who knows um, that it's all well and good. But you know, when Clayus Campbell and Matthew, uh, Matthew Judon are coming at you week one, um, cause maybe, you know, somebody missed their assignment or they beat somebody um, and you know, they're in your face. How does it translate to that point? You know, live bullets, so to speak here. I'm going to put a wrap on this one here. Uh, you've got to, you know, what we've seen first couple of days of practice on the offensive side of the ball defensive side of the ball here um so appreciate everybody um you know we will be here day in day out um great to have it back here just you know fingers crossed praying that you know everybody can remain healthy um and the tests you know remain to stay on the negative side here make sure you check everything out brown's digest pete and his team doing a fantastic job make sure you're following pete at underscore pete smith underscore the show itself at locked on browns all lowercase follow back account me personally at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd dms are open uh, questions, ideas for the show, you know, uh, of course, always love them, always feed them, anything you guys can to help fuel the show. I do appreciate that. Make sure you're subscribed, uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. Leave those five-star ratings and written reviews. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pounds. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.